Welcome to Design Talk. This season's theme is Designing Organizations. We'll be talking with entrepreneurs and product owners about building teams, shaping organizations, working with partners, suppliers, and customers. Hello, I'm Shifali. Uh, and I'm Donald. We are joined today by Kieran Trainer, CTO of Sonalake, a software engineering and services company with offices in Ireland, Poland and Slovakia. Welcome to the podcast, Kieran. Thanks, Donald. Thanks, Shafali. Uh, can you tell us a little about yourself to start? Yeah, um, so I'm an electronic engineer by trade. I, I studied it back in DCU quite a while ago, uh, but I've been a software guy for as long as I can remember, uh, starting with the ZX Spectrum back in 1982. Um, so I've worked in a variety of engineering roles uh, in companies ranging from telecoms research through to dot-com fintech startup, uh, telecom software product company, uh, SaaS documents uh, uh, startup, all the way through to Sonalake where I've been for the last 11 years. Can you talk about the challenges of managing distributed teams? Yeah, sure. Well, I think first off, we're a relatively flat uh, organization um, and due to the nature of our work, uh, the shape of that organization is always evolving. Um, like at any given time, we have a bunch of clients and each one of those clients, we have one or more project teams. And these teams regularly need to ramp up or down in response to clients' needs. So it's important that we can onboard people onto a project with minimum ramp up time. Um, and without, uh, without a concerted effort to do that, projects can easily become information silos. Uh, making it more difficult to onboard uh, team men members in the future. So to that end, uh, you know, we make information push the responsibility of each team. Uh, so that takes the form of everything from developer documentation through to a weekly company-wide tech talks, uh, public source code repos, public Slack communication channels, Confluence, Google Docs, and communities of practice. And uh, each team then is supported by a technical team lead project manager, an account manager, and an engineering manager. And these four roles work together to ensure we're joined up in terms of project health, team health with regular one-to-ones, and client health. So it's a combination of a lot of small things. Um, for example, we've been in constant hire mode, even through COVID. Uh, so to help people that have never met their colleagues face-to-face and get to know other Sano Lakers, we, ha- we have a system that randomly arranges groups of people to get together for online coffee chat. They're great fun. Um, so, Karen, could you tell me at Sonalake, what does your ideal client organization look like? What capabilities would you recommend clients keep in-house? Well, every client is different. Um, they range from established organizations that have been around for like 20, 25 years to startups. Um, but what they have in common is that they're building products. And the product ro- ownership role is a key role to retain in-house a- a- as a start because their cl- our client is far better positioned to know their customers than we are and far better to understand what, what they want to build for those uh, customers. We can help them figure out how they want to build it, but they need to do the what part of that equation, you know. Um, also, um, you know, our clients uh, have in-house engineering and operations capability. That's super important. Um, because products are never done. They need to evolve over time. And we don't want to put our clients in a position where they have to come back to us to get that work done. Um, So we want to enable them and their teams to be able to continue to evolve that software 
and allow them to maintain it going forward, you know. Um, and, you know, that kind of rules out certain types of customer for, for us, you know, um, because, you know, a, 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 project, a product will go through a life cycle or some projects will go through a life cycle and maybe development will taper off So uh, after some amount of time. So for us, it's very difficult to support that type of organization if they kind of, can I have a half an engineer for the next month? We can't really do that. We can do like a team of 10 engineers for six months, no problem, right? But uh, so what we, what we need to do when we're looking at clients is look at the match between our capabilities and, and, where, and where they're going. Um, but to answer your question, uh, product ownership or product management is a key role that must always be in the client, you know, and everything else trickles from that because we can't know the, the client's strategy as well as they do. And they're talking to their customers, they're looking at their market. And uh, that's, that's a critical role. And actually, it's a very in short supply um, uh, skill set, um, generally within the industry, um, uh, product management, product ownership. Um, and uh, but but be uh, beyond that, I suppose products are never really done. Um, they need to evolve over time, sometimes slowly, sometimes quickly, in response to kind of external forces. Um, and uh, so what, what we what we want to do is we want to enable our clients to evolve the software we've created for them, um, so that they don't we don't we try to avoid creating a dependency on us. And the way we do that is you know good developer docs, so their developers can pick up code we wrote. They can come back like six months in the future and they want to change something in the software we built. We want to make that as easy as possible for them using you know, good documentation, test automation. And uh, yeah, our goal is to have a big impact without becoming a dependency. So as a service supplier, what is your own sourcing strategy like insourcing, offshoring, remote worker or mix of all those things? Um, so everybody who works in Sana Lake works for Sana Lake. So we don't outsource anything, right? Um, recruitment and retention are two bywords for us. Um, ask if you were talking to anybody in our leadership team, they say, "What's the most most important things going on in the company right now?" Recruitment and retention. So, uh, with regard to recruitment, we have a full time team of ten recruiters working in the company. Yeah, <laughs> eyebrows raised. Uh, yeah, uh, split split between Poznan and Bratislava. Uh, you know, we're a relatively small company. We're about 190 people right now. So competing with big names, I'm not going to mention any. <laughs> but, uh, you know, employer branding plays a big part in that. Uh, so uh, in our both in our ability to attract uh, new staff and retain existing staff. So, you know, pre-COVID, uh, hosting tech meetups in Bratislava and in Dublin and in Poznan was a big thing. But equally... We have tech, we have our own tech blogs, we social media engagement and uh, open source. Uh, we contribute to open source projects as well, is all, is all part of that employer brand. Um, and then with regard to retention as well, we have a big focus on um, employee experience. So, you know, people want to work on interesting problems and challenging problems. And, you know, that's part of when I was saying earlier on about the match with, with, with the clients. You know, we don't want to put ourselves in a position where we're risking the, 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 the you know, our staff. Um, so, yeah, you know, challenging projects, remuneration, learning, career development and opportunity are all parts of that uh, employee experience thing. Um, so uh, moving on. So is, has Agile finally solved the project lifecycle problem or is there always a crunch at the end? 
Yeah, so I, I'm I'm a terrible man for sayings, but there's a saying I have. It's you know, projects don't go off track because of one big event. They go off track a day at a time, and it's usually because of a lack of communication. And you know, the motto is no surprises. So if you have you know, the good thing about Agile, one of the good things about Agile is it encourages fast feedback loops. Um, and if you've got a fast feedback loop, that's a good way of reducing the number of surprises. Um, but it's predicated on everybody being on the same page. So feedback loops are, you know, of limited use. If only, like imagine you've got a development team and they know something is wrong and they're talking to each other about it. But does the account manager know? Does the client know? If they don't, it's a waste of time. It's, 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 it's not going to make anything better. So, so on, just on that point, um, leadership, I didn't mention training uh, when we were talking about retention, uh, recruitment and retention earlier on, but leadership training is, is one of the things we encourage our people to take up regardless of the role they play in the company. It's an incredibly useful life skill. And um, you note there I'm saying leadership, not management, okay? Um, and I think that type of training can equip, for example, an engineer with the awareness and the tools and the confidence to range a potentially difficult subject with an engineer from a client, because our engineers work with engineers from our clients as well. And that could avoid a communications gap and they can work together to so solve a problem before it becomes a real problem, you know. Um, sometimes though there is a crunch, uh, but usually that's in response to and like a, a requirement that's been dropped in at a, a short-term notice. A great example of that is, uh, you know, our clients have their own customers. And let's imagine they have a potential to win a big deal. One of our clients has a potential to win a big deal with, with a customer and they have a, a time-gapped opportunity in which to act. That can turn into a crunch situation real fast and, hey, maybe we need to do something, help them achieve something that wasn't really on the plan initially. Uh, to do that, and yeah, that can be crunch. But another saying: um, if 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 people need to, you know, sometimes we need to pull a few late nights, but that should be absolutely be the exception rather than the rule. And if it's if it becomes habit that people are having to work crazy hours, that is a management failure. It's not a people failure. So it's a failure of people like me uh, to to maybe push back on the client a bit more or, or maybe say, listen, that team isn't big enough to do the amount of work that you want done or that work is ill-defined, it's impossible to estimate. And uh, so getting our people, getting our people kind of, giving the, the kind of th this leadership training to be able to have those types of conversations tends to reduce the number of occasions that a crunch becomes a thing. So, uh, while solving the complex problem, design thinking is currently the talk of the town. Are you seeing a demand for design thinking? So, I, um, it's a while since I've heard the term design thinking. So, I, uh, I looked it up before I came along. And uh, so, apparently, I'm reading here, it's an approach to problem solving that is human-centric, co-creative experience, experimental and iterative. It's focused on solving problems through an understanding of human needs, creating many possible solutions, testing them out and iterating on them until coming to a best solution. That sounds a lot like UX to me, user experience. So design 
thinking seems to manifest itself on a strategic and conceptual level, but UX is really about tactical and build level. You know, what are we, what are we actually going to build? So we have had great success. We, we started our first UX design team about six, seven years ago, because oftentimes clients would come to us and say, hey, can you build us a thing to solve this problem? And it's like a one-liner or a paragraph. And the next question is, and how long will that take and how much will it cost? Impossible question to answer, and we would be foolish to answer it. So we had this idea like you know, in, uh, traditionally, what would happen at that point is that um, you'd have somebody called a business analyst who would sit with the client, try and capture that, replay it back to them. Are we aligned? Yes, we are. And then we'll go off and estimate that. But the problem with that approach is that it's out of date before the ink has dried on the, on the piece of paper. So what we did instead is we turned it into, we now run design engagements with clients. And when they come to us with a, with a question like that, we'll say, well, hey, listen, how about we get into, we, we have this thing called a design engagement. You can work with our UX designers. And it's, it's not only about what you see on screen UX. It, it's, it's about how users will interact with your product and what problems will it, what will your product help them solve in their day-to-day -day work or day-to-day -day life or whatever it might be. And part of UX, one of the things that falls out of UX is what a business analyst would have traditionally done anyway. Um, but as well as that, then at the end of it, you might get some other useful artifacts like um, uh, user journey definition, uh, like mock-ups of screens, some screens maybe. And uh, that's, a, that's a useful artifact in and of itself for our client then to go on and uh, iterate on that and have more useful conversations. But equally, it's a useful artifact for Sonolake because we have a better understanding now and we know that the customer has a better understanding now. We're talking about the same thing and then we're in a better, a better position to kind of say, okay, we feel to build that type of thing. Here's the type of team you need. Here's the makeup of it. Here's how we'd ramp it up over time. And here's, here's the kind of uh, the time we feel ballpark it would take to get an, to an MVP. So, so I think, yeah, the short answer to your question, design thinking is important. We just don't call it that. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Okay, so just in terms of kind of innovation and business development, how do you approach innovation opportunities uh, or develop new lines of business? How do you think about that? Um, yeah, so uh, we new lines of business. We don't really have new lines of business. Well, I suppose I mentioned design there, right? So that in one sense is a new line of business for us, right? Uh, well, it was seven years ago when we started. it, um, But it was very aligned with what we were trying to do as a company. Yeah. But for example, let's imagine that, that um, let's imagine that in the morning, we decided that we want we we're going to have some SaaS product and we're going to take on a load of investment to build that SaaS product and spend half the money on marketing, which is what happens. <laughs> and uh, the, But th that, that type of SaaS product and the type of business model around that and the type of organization we would need to, to make that a success is far removed from the type of organization we are today to make what we currently do a success. So because it's not aligned, that would probably be something that we would spin out because otherwise it would become a leadership distraction 
in Sonalik. Yeah. But broadly, if, if, the, if the idea was aligned with what we do, well then, yeah, we could totally do it in-house. I know that's a very black and white simple answer to your question, but your question is too difficult. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah, good answer in that case then. So how do you look to maintain a healthy culture within the remote locations? Um, yeah, so I kind of touched on a little bit earlier on. Um, you know, tools like Slack have been very useful giving people uh, a feeling of affinity with the company. It's very difficult. You know, imagine we hire somebody new into the company and like there is one of, one, of one of our team uh, joined us two years ago and he didn't see anybody face to face in the company until relatively recently, you know? So how, how do we make that guy, Jay is his name, how do we make him feel part of the company? You know, it's, it's a difficult challenge, but stuff I mentioned like earlier on, like having public Slack channels, having having uh, TGIFs or tech talks or, or, or customer talks every Friday helps with that type of thing. There's a, there's a really kind of silly little idea we did that we have a tool called Donut that integrates with Slack, the internal messaging tool we use. Donut randomly picks three people in the company and puts an invite in their calendar for like 15 minutes to get together for a coffee chat. So you just meet new people in the company, which is kind of cool. It kind of sounds, it sounds like I was quite pessimistic when I heard about it first, when somebody came up with the idea, but it works great, you know? So you do one or two donuts a week because we got people joining the company all the time. And, uh, and all of a sudden you kind of, you, you, you just get to know people. Like I was in uh, our Poznan office last week and um, one of the, uh, uh, Nicole, uh, uh, one of our account managers came into the office and I just went, hi, Nicole, like this, hi, Kieran. And then uh, Philip, the CEO, came in as well. And he was all chat-chat to Nicole. And he said, oh, we haven't, we haven't actually met face-to-face before. And I turned around, we haven't met face-to-face before either, have we, Nicole? And she goes, no. And it just, it felt like we knew each other, even though we'd never actually met each other face-to-face. So I think that's, that's testament to the, 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 kind of, uh, the kind of connection that we've, we've managed to achieve uh, in, in, uh, during the, the, the covid times. Um, so I don't know, um, the, the, the other, the, the other thing I mentioned earlier on was the communities of practice to make sure that people that practice the same craft, be it UX design or front end dev or Java dev or Rust dev or Kotlin dev or whatever it might be, um, get together as, uh, as groups, uh, as well. And we try and support them in, 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 in that so that they kind of get to know their colleagues better, you know? Okay. Excellent. I'll probably just finish with one final question. Uh, if I can, you mentioned donut there, but could you maybe for our audience, maybe just introduce some other products or design successes that you, uh, have had over the last number of years? Um, well, I, I suppose one thing I'm pretty happy with is, uh, so I haven't mentioned something, I've left out a very important fact, uh, which is, uh, I haven't mentioned that in addition to software partnering, we also have two products uh, that we uh, sell to telecom operators. Um, this is a network performance management solution and a, a BSS, it's a business support system for fiber operators, okay? and. Um, so one of the things I'm quite happy about that is that, you know, so we have teams of people working on, on those two products. Um, but for example, when a new hire starts in Sonalake, you know, we may not have a client project ready for them to go and work on. Yeah. 
but we don't want them sitting on their hands for weeks because that's not a great onboarding experience for anybody. People want to be working on a thing, meeting people, being on a team. Um, so uh, what we've really been working on is inner source um, stuff for the last couple of years, which is, which is really about reducing the friction to getting new people working on our product teams. You know, the product uh, teams can often, particularly in kind of complex domains, and telecoms is one of those complex domains. There's lots of fintech is one as well. Any, any domain that has a vocabulary of its own, a large vocabulary of its own, uh, obviously there's going to be a ramp up time to before you can contribute or become productive in that environment. So we've made, you know, we have well-defined roadmaps for our products and we have full-time teams working on them. So one of the goals of information sharing that we kind of touched on earlier on is about developer onboarding. How can we make it easier for new developers or designers to join a team, uh, possibly for a relatively short time, but have an impact without requiring lots of support from the team or the wider team around them? And, uh, you know, that's where kind of adopting some of the kind of open source software development practices, like everything's public, anybody can commit, and having the, you know, good developer documentation um, that allows us to get uh, people more readily uh, involved or contributing to those projects without being a massive distraction for the product teams themselves, you know. So it's striking that balance, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy with the progress we've made over the last couple of years in that regard, but, you know, it's, a, it's not an easy challenge. <laughs> Understood. Uh, okay, well, uh, thank you. Kieran, for your time today and your insights. We really appreciate you uh, running through your uh, thoughts and experiences with us today. Thanks for having me along. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Design Talk. The music used is Check Them In by Emma Grace. Credits and links in the show notes.